Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights for Game Week 37. Just two more weeks to go in the Premier League season. Our data, as always, provided by InfoGoal. Gareth Wheeler, Andrew Beasley with you. With the title race just about wrapped up, top four in European football next season is anything but settled heading into these final two weeks. Southampton, they're done, they're finished, they're going down, and four teams fighting to stay out of the drop. So plenty to dig into on this week's podcast. Uh, coming off a good week, uh, five right for me, a push, three at plus numbers, including three one and one on our feature five. We'll roll through our feature five this week and head into rapid fire for the remaining five games as well. Are, are you biting your nails right now if you're one of those sides? Um, it, it, the four teams that are trying to stay out of the drop right now, it, it seems like some of these teams are taking a step forward while others are just still spinning their, 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 still spinning their tires at this late stage of the season. Yeah, it's getting very difficult to see Leicester getting out of it, particularly as they've got to go to, to Newcastle, a game we will talk about briefly towards the end of the show. Um, but yeah, very poor in the match against Liverpool. I mean, they did okay for the first sort of half hour or so, but as soon as Liverpool scored, it, it looked like it was basically over as a contest and and that's how it proved. So um, they're two points adrift of safety going into the weekend. It may be more than that by the time they actually get to play. So um, yeah, looking pretty bleak for, for Leicester. Obviously Leeds, they're going to regret not beating Newcastle when they, they probably had the chance. Obviously, had a penalty to go 2-0 up, which was missed. Um, that could obviously come back to haunt them. I remember we spoke about Bamford missing a chance. I think it was against Leicester, was it, a few weeks ago? He's missed another big one there. I mean, obviously, you know, that, it's their problems are not all on him. But clearly, you know, there's some missed opportunities there. And, and it's looking like it could come back to, to haunt them. But at the same time, Everton and Forest not out of it. So, um, yeah, lots to play for this weekend. The future plays on Pinnacle, Leicester minus 650 to go down, Leeds minus 250, Forest at plus 250, and Everton at plus 325. I mean, Forest could very well still go down. I still think Everton have, have enough. With Leeds, it's like, did they bring in Big Sam just a little bit too late? They look a much more difficult team to play against. We'll go over the, the games this week, obviously, and we'll come back to whether there might be any value in the future play, as well as the top four still available on Pinnacle as well. Manchester United, minus 600 to finish in the top four. Newcastle, minus 400. And Liverpool continue on this fantastic run, plus 150. But again, things may be just a little bit too late. Interestingly, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday this week. The Newcastle-Brighton game that's basically being made up is a game that was lost earlier in the season. Uh, that game is being played on Thursday. So anything that we provide over the course of this podcast, please keep that in mind, is that game has yet to be played. Neither has the Champions League second leg against uh, Manchester City against Real Madrid. So just keep those two items in mind. Anything else to add about last week before we move on to this week, Andrew? Or do you just want to dig right in? No, I mean, just to say, I mean, fair play to to Brighton. Obviously, they've, they've been having a very good season. I, I still thought Arsenal would win, but um, no, Brighton sort of rode the early storm there and, and won quite comfortably in the end. So 
I guess that's the, uh, we don't normally give out a performance of the week, but I think that was probably it last weekend. Yeah, I, I, the, the conversation this week has been about Arsenal bottling it. And I'm not quite sure that that's an accurate assessment. Certainly when they lost Saliba at the back, the data shows that the, how how much that's had an influence on them conceding goals. They were a very difficult team to break down defensively over the course of the season, and they didn't really give up many chances as well. Losing Saliba, it's been a little bit of a death blow for that side. But I think what the data's shown us all season long is that this was just the time for Manchester City to play catch-up, more so with games in hand. They are the better team statistically, and that's what the data shows. And that even happened before this most recent drop in form. Is is that kind of how you approach what's happened to Arsenal here down the stretch? Is that, quite frankly, good season for Arsenal, but City's just been the better side? Yeah, I think so. I think we've seen similar in the past as well with, um, you know, Liverpool perhaps holding a lead sort of two thirds of the way through the season and being overhauled by Manchester City. I mean, you know, obviously Arsenal have dropped points in games they would have hoped to win, possibly expected to win. There's no doubt that they've done that. But Manchester City have won 11 in a row. They'll probably win their remaining games this season as well, you would think. There's every chance they will. So let's, let's assume that they do and they finish with 14 wins. I mean, you can't bottle it when the other team has, uh, has delivered 14 wins to close out the season. You, you just can't. You know, you might have dropped points that you probably shouldn't have, but what can you do when a team wins 14 games in a row? So um, it will obviously be a disappointment to Arsenal. You do have to wonder when they'll next get a chance this good to win the title, with obviously Liverpool likely to bounce back to some extent, Newcastle going to invest more. Who knows what will happen with Manchester United and their ownership. Like This could be Arsenal's best chance for a while. So in that in that sense, you know, they will view it as a, as, as a massive missed opportunity. But you're up against a team with basically unlimited resources and, and one of the best managers in the world, and they can reel off 14 wins and, and make it look very simple. So, um, you know, I, you know, I've got no real criticism of Arsenal because what they've achieved this season is still, is still fantastic. And as I say, you see it with Liverpool for any team to go toe to toe with Manchester City on a, on a smaller budget and, a, you know, most likely a smaller squad. It's still an incredible achievement to even do that. So, you know, credit to them for that, I think. I, I still think the future looks bright at Arsenal. You, you're now convinced by their manager. He's done well. The young players have done well. Seems like there might be some investment. Xhaka out. You hear Declan Rice, Caicedo, big names being linked yeah. to Arsenal. I, I I know that that's just the, the, the paper talk right now, but, but some moves make sense. And they've been very smart with the way that they spend their money up until this point. And will this time be the time seeing, you know, kind of the light at the end of the tunnel to, to potentially lead to success, if, whether or not this is the time to spend. So that will all be determined in the summer months, but still um, mathematically still in the title race. And we'll deal with their game against Forrest in just a few moments time. Uh, let's get straight into our feature five and let's start off with Spurs and Brentford. Spurs are in seventh place, coming off a 2-1 loss at Aston Villa. But guess what? Harry Kane scored again. (laughs) He's been a bright spot in an otherwise dreadful last half of the season. Uh, Spurs have played over the two-and-a-half goal total in six of seven. Both teams to score has played in nine of ten. They've been the first to concede in four of five. They have 37 points at home on the season. That's fifth best. And 36 goals scored at home is fourth best at home. Although the actual... Goal total is five more than the expected goals, according to InfoGoal. So they've been punching above their weight. And 
They've only lost one of their last eight at home as well, which is comes as somewhat of, of a surprise considering this drastic dip in form. Um, they play ninth place Brentford. It's been a good season. They're only four points back of Spurs. So a win this weekend and a potential result on the final weekend, uh, they could leapfrog them in the table. They, they're coming off a 2-1 win, 2 nil win, I should say, over West Ham. Ivan Tony didn't play. Uh, it sounds like he may be able to go this weekend is that the injury was just minor. Uh, Brentford haven't been free-flowing in terms of their goal scoring, under two and a half and five of six. They've only picked up 19 points from 18 games away from home, which isn't great. Just four away wins on the season and only 20 goals scored over those games. But those 20 goals scored away, that's five fewer than their expected goals and what it shows on info goal. Head to head, Spurs haven't lost in four to Brentford. They played to a 2-2 draw in December where Brentford went up 2-0 early. And Spurs punch back. The XG was in Brentford's favor, 2.36 to 1.05 in that game. So, so what do you make of this? The Spurs have been decent enough at home, Andrew. And Brentford, uh, their rise to the table this season, a lot of their success has come at home as well, not away from home. Does that skew you to lean to Spurs here? Or is Brentford at a good number, plus 296, simply too good to pass up on? Possibly. I mean, the data probably sides with Tottenham. Um, as you say, very good record at home. If you look at their underlying results, it's 15 wins, one draw, two defeats on the expected goals. But I'm just not sure you can trust Tottenham to, to get the job done, particularly against a good team, as you say, probably better at home than away. But clearly Brentford, very well drilled, know what they're doing. Tottenham at times, a little bit all over the place. I think, you know, it's something we're going to mention quite a lot, I guess, during this show. Newcastle play Brighton on, on Thursday night. We don't know the result of that as we're recording. But let's say if Brighton were to win, well, that, that pretty much ends Tottenham's season as, as finishing seventh at best. Brentford don't have much to play for either beyond trying to be the best team in West London uh, with their little sort of mini battle with Fulham there. So I, I really don't know what to uh, which way this one's going to go. What I would say... Um, both teams have scored in nine of Spurs' last 10 games and um, Brentford are low in the away table for over 2.5 goals, but it has happened quite a lot when they've been away at top half sides. So I was looking at both teams to score an over 2.5 goals, which is plus 117. Um, you're smiling. I'm not sure if you've thought that as well, but uh, as you say, it was 2-2 earlier in the season. I think this is one that could be a similar sort of game, but very difficult to call in, in which way it will actually end. Yeah, uh, that was the one that I had circled as well. Over two and a half goals, uh, and both teams to score up plus one seventeen. We've docu- we documented every week how frail Spurs are at the back, and although Brentford hasn't been scoring goals, they've been decent enough in terms of the chances that they've been able to create on the balance. Yes, the trip to Anfield a couple of weeks ago didn't come off, but Anfield's just about as tough as it gets to go away from home in the Premier League. I think context counts here. I think Spurs, based on the way that the season has gone, I think they're going to come out and try to attack at home. I was kind of looking at Spurs over their goal total at 1.5 at minus 116, but you get more juice. I don't trust Spurs to keep a clean sheet in this game. Brentford's had a good season as well. I think they can play this very competitive. I was thinking about Brentford on the handicap, but I'm not going to stay away from it. I think you kind of convinced me here. With the plus 117, both teams to score and over the two and a half goal total. I think I'm fine with that. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I don't think your shout for um, Tottenham scoring twice is is a bad one by any means. Um, but as you say, Brentford, they've actually scored quite a lot of goals. I was just looking. I didn't sort of realise they're seventh top scorers in the in the Premier League ahead of Manchester yeah. United, for instance, ahead of Villa, teams that are above them in the table. Again, probably stronger at home than away. But even so, they've got a goal threat. And if Tony comes back in, I mean, he's been in great form lately in, in performance terms, if, if not as much goals, but he's been playing really well. So, yeah, I, I just see a few goals and, and we'll see which way it lands, really. Yeah, and, and I think we're both aligned. Just stay away from the result here. I just, I, I'm i not quite sure which way this one may spin. Uh, let's move on to Anfield this weekend. It's fifth place Liverpool taking on eighth place Aston Villa. Another really good game this weekend I'm looking forward to. Liverpool won seven in a row. And over that span, 20 goals scored and just seven conceded. And they haven't conceded in their last three games overall. Uh, they're on 65 points, just one point back of the two Uniteds, understanding that Newcastle United plays Thursday. We're not sure at the time of recording what that result may be, but they played a game more than both. Well, Manchester United, Newcastle United, obviously they'll be level after the Thursday game. Newcastle plays Brighton on Thursday, as I mentioned. No losses uh, in nine overall for Liverpool. They played to over the two and a half total in six of eight. They've been the first to score in six of seven. They're the second best home team in points, as well as expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal. And they just suffered that one loss at home all season long. Eighth place, Aston Villa. Uh, they beat Spurs last week, 2-1 to get back on track. And their level on points was Spurs on 57. No clean sheet in three for Villa. They played the under two and a half in four or five. And they had the eighth most away points of the season. Head-to-head, it was a 3-1 Liverpool win earlier this season. Uh, Liverpool beat Villa five straight times. Villa haven't had a clean sheet in seven against Liverpool. And they played over the two and a half goal total in five of six. Both teams to score in five of six. So, so what do you make of this one? Like Liverpool have looked nearly flawless. They still do have some injuries in this team, but it's not affecting them. They've been a much better version of themselves over recent weeks, especially at home. So does that trend continue against an Aston Villa team that continues to play competitive football week in, week out? Yeah, I think it can do. The Liverpool lineup has been um, very erratic across the season as a whole, but it seems to have settled down now with um, Canate and Van Dijk together at centre-back. Curtis Jones doing really well in, in midfield, longest uh, stretch of starts he's had in his Liverpool career. So the, so the lineup has has basically settled down and, the, and they are playing pretty well. Um, it was a strange game when these teams last met. I mean, the, the big chance scoreline last time was 7-4 to Liverpool. So although they won 3-1, I mean, it could really have been any outcome. I mean, that was the same um, big chance total as in the Newcastle-Man City 3-3 draw. So although Liverpool won 3-1, could easily have ended with any kind of scoreline, really. But obviously, they're a lot better at home than they are away. They rarely give up more than one expected goal in a home game. And when you look at Villa in similar sort of away games, they had 0.47 XG at United, 0.73 at Chelsea, although they did win that game 2-0, 0.25 at Man City. So they do struggle to, to create chances away from home in games of sort of broadly similar standing to this one. In theory, according to the, the data, Liverpool are a, are a value selection, but their price at minus 198 just isn't really worth looking at. 
One interesting thing, though, I mean, um, they beat Manchester United 7-0. I have to mention that in case it's my last time on the podcast this season. <laughs> but they've, they've played Thanks, five Andrew. Home- Thank you. Yes, had to, make, had to get that in one last time. Um, they've played five home games since that 7-0 win, and they haven't won any of them by more than a single goal. So I was wondering about looking at the handicap Villa at plus 1.25 at minus 115, because I'm not sure. I think Liverpool will win, but will they hammer Aston Villa? I'm not really sure. Um, But yeah, difficult one to call. Five of the last six, again, you mentioned it for Tottenham, both teams to score in over 2.5. That's occurred in five of the last six. That's plus 107. So that might be worth a look in case it's sort of 2-1 Liverpool, something like that. But um, I think this will be a close one because... Liverpool are playing well um, at home, but they're not blowing teams away. And obviously Villa have been one of the better teams recently. Yeah, this one's a really tough one for me. I landed on a half play, not even a full play, a half play. Aston Villa on the handicap plus 1.25. It's difficult for me to to pick a Liverpool loss at home based upon the way that things have been going. But things have been going so well as of late. Um, and now they're going up against maybe one of the better teams that they played over that stretch, a team that continually plays to the under and keeps things manageable, a team that likes to go out and score a first goal as well. So I think that Villa can keep this tight. So I think that there is some value in that play on the handicap, um, plus 1.25, and that comes in at minus 115. I'll be watching that number to see if that moves um, over the course of the next few days, if you like Liverpool to go out and win this by multiple goals, one point minus 1.25 is at a plus number right now at plus 104. Uh, the total, I do think that there's goals, both teams to score. It, it, it's not, not within range for me. We'll just see what, what do you make? Like, have you, have you seen anything from Liverpool where it would suggest that a stumble or regression to the mean is in store here over their last two games of the season? Because I haven't over recent weeks. Um, you know, it hasn't been perfect, especially defensively, but I still think it's been good enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's obvious to expect them to win at Southampton on the on the final day next weekend. So it's yeah. really this game um, determines whether they finish with, with nine wins or, or eight wins and another result. Um, but no, I mean, as I say, they've been playing pretty well. They don't give up too much um, offensively. Obviously, they they had that strange game against Tottenham where they were 3-0 up and, and nearly drew 3-3. Um, but on the whole, they've been very solid defensively. This new system with um, Trent Alexander-Arnold sort of moving into midfield when they're in possession, that's made the midfield stronger than it was for, for much of the season. So, yeah, they, they look in, uh, they look in very good shape. And obviously, you know, I, I still don't think they'll finish in the top four, but if they were to finish with nine wins, I mean, it certainly sets them up well for, for next season. Yeah. If, if you think that Newcastle may lose to Brighton on Thursday, then this is the time to make that futures play. That, that's what I was alluding to. The top four market is still live and Liverpool at plus 150. Any chance you touch that at all? Or are you pretty confident that it's done and settled? I think it's done and settled. But as you say, I mean, if if Newcastle were to um, lose to Brighton and then maybe Liverpool beat Villa and Man United beat Bournemouth, then all of a sudden Newcastle are outside the top four with with two games to go. And and that will seem like a lot of pressure on them. So it could play a factor. But um, I think they've got enough to get the, the job done, particularly Newcastle having like Leicester at home. They should win that, as we'll talk about in a bit. Um, so Chelsea away, think, Chelsea away. So, 
Yeah, a a winnable game if you needed to at this time of the season. So, yeah, I think I'm confident Liverpool will win their last two games, but I I don't think it's going to be enough. Okay, Uh, let's move things forward. Apologies, I don't have a stronger play on that one. The board this week, the last few weeks, for whatever reason, games have jumped off the page and plays have followed suit. This week, it's, it's not so much. Uh, let's move it forward to Wolves and Everton. Is It's just about do or die for Everton, isn't it? Like, this is the game that could seal Everton's potential survival. Wolves got off a 2-0 loss at Manchester United. Their young goalkeeper, Bentley, did really well in that game. Really strong debut. Um, Wolves have played to under 2.5 and, and 6 of 8. They're 10th in home points, but just 18 goals scored in 18 home games. And their expected goals against is seven more than the actual goals conceded. So they've rolled their luck to a certain degree. They won there, won at home, I should say, uh, over the course of their last four games without conceding as well. So the home form has really improved under Lopetegui here at the end of the season. Everton, a 3-0 loss to Manchester City last time out. They're one point better than Leeds, two points better than Leicester. They've Bournemouth at home on the final day, hence why their future odds on Pinnacle uh, are, are further out because these are two perceived more winnable games than their relegation competitors, if you want to call them that, uh, they face over the course of their final two games. Everton haven't come away with a clean sheet in their last four. They played to over two and a half and five of six. They're 14th in away points, but just two wins over the course of the season away from home. But one of them was last time they were away at Brighton and a phenomenal 5-1 victory. And they haven't lost away now in their last three games. Head-to-head, it was a 2-1 final at Goodison Park in Wolves' favor. Wolves, three wins in a row over Everton, and they played to over two and a half in seven of nine. So, So Wolves are being good at home. Everton have shown some signs of life. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with losing to Man City. It was a predictable loss last time out. But that Brighton away win, that kind of stands out, doesn't it? And you just wonder whether that superior away form can carry over into a game that against a team that's stubborn, but has been showing some really good, solid play at home over recent weeks. So what do you make of this one, Andrew? Another one that's very difficult to call. I, th- I think it's safe to say there shouldn't be too many goals. I mean, as you as you mentioned, I mean, Bright, um, Everton won five one at Brighton recently, but they didn't win the expected goals in that match despite winning five one. Um, so their performances away from home, you know, we've said it for a long time, haven't haven't been that great. When you look at um, Wolves and Everton, they're actually pretty close in the table. I mean, there's, there's three teams be- between them in the table and, and Wolves' home games against those three teams have ended 0-1, 1-0 and 1-0. And the last five meetings of these teams have all been settled by one goal as well. So I think it's just going to be very close and exactly how it pays out, uh, how it plays out is very difficult to say. I mean, what you would say in Everton's favour, as hard to beat as Wolves have been, they are the lowest scorers in the division. You can't see them scoring many goals. So there's an opportunity here for, for Everton to maybe get something. And of course, with Bournemouth at home on the last day of the season, obviously Everton will try to win this game, but I don't think a point is a disastrous result for Everton here because it just gives them another step in the right direction with a winnable home game to to finish. When you look at the markets, I mean, I think under 2.5 goals is is 
surely going to come in. But I mean, at minus 121, is that a bit too short a price to take, really? I'm not sure. So, I mean, I was looking at both teams to score no and under 2.5 at plus 142. Um, I think that's a possibility, but I'm not sure I'd go too close on on any of the sort of bets on this one. I, I think it'll probably end in a draw, uh, possibly a goalless draw. But um, yeah, bit of a we're tough looking, one to call, as we've said, many of them are this week. But we're looking at things the same way. For, for me, that's playable. Minus 121 for under two and a half. Minus 121 still is w- within range, considering what these two teams are. They're, they're, they're two teams that don't score a lot of goals. And when Ever- Everton over recent weeks have created more chances... Are they going to be able to do that at Wolves, where a, a place where they haven't conceded in their last four games at home? I don't think so. I, I think it might be a goal here, a goal there, if any, in this game. I, I'm with you on that. So under two and a half at minus 121 is an absolute play for me. I would consider uh, Everton on the handicap, which is zero. It's a draw, no bet at minus 110. And Wolves look like they're just cruising into the summer. There needs to be some changes there. Their their whole attack needs a complete makeover. And I think Lopetegui is the right man to do it. He just needs the summer window to get some players out and kind of revitalize the way that this team plays. There might be a goal in this for Everton. Like they create more chances than Wolves, and they've done it over recent weeks. And, and perhaps he can catch them. They're very good on set pieces. So I, I Everton on the handicap, if it's a draw, you get your money back, minus 110. That's playable for me as well. So, but I kind of lean with you as well. Um, a draw isn't a disaster considering who leads in luster play. Perhaps they pull off an upset, but Bournemouth at home on the final day of the season, that is the preferable tie for all of those teams in the relegation fight right now. You'd feel a whole lot comfortable with the win. I think they can go out and win this game. I'm not sure how much risk Sean Dyche is going to be willing to take in this game. Understanding it'll probably be a game of few chances. So watch it all go crazy. Chaos will ensue. It'll be like a four, three fixture or something like that. But that would be a complete shock to me because it's simply not the way that these teams play. We have enough data to suggest how they play, which is low event football, few chances, few goals. So I think that that's the play. I've convinced you minus 121. On the, which is that Everton to a under two and a half. Oh, under two and a half. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think so. Uh, I try and look for slightly better odds than that when suggesting these plays, but it's hard. It's very hard to argue against that being the outcome, as you've just said. I mean, I, I mentioned that Wolves are the are the lowest scorers in the division, but they've only got two goals, uh, fewer than Everton. So there's nothing to suggest there'll be many goals here. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get on that, I guess. All right. Uh, next up, it's Nottingham Forest and Arsenal. Forest went from 1-0 up. To playing to a 2-2 draw at Chelsea. It's a big point for them as it puts them on 34 points in 16th. That's two better than Everton. Might be okay, as is on 34 points. We'll see. But a win would certainly keep them up. They're at Palace in the final game of the season as well. Forrest, no clean sheet in their last 15 games. Uh, they've gone over two and a half in five of five. Both teams' scores come through in five of five. They're 12th in home points on the season with 27. This is why they're in a position to stay up because they've been a decent home side. 26 goals scored and 24 against. However, their expected goals against, according to InfoGoal, 34.7 at home is the worst in the entire Premier League. Arsenal, a 3-0 loss at home to Brighton. It was deflating, wasn't it? 
And they're four points back in Manchester City. They can finish on a maximum of 87 points, and City are on 85 with three games to go. So that's the scenario. It's bleak at best for Arsenal here. They've dropped points in five of their last seven games. They played over the two and a half total in eight of nine. Both teams to score in eight of 10. However, they continue to be the best away side in the Premier League on the season with 39 points and the most away goals scored with 35. Looks like they'll have to play without Martinelli on the weekend, joining Zinchenko and Saliba on the touchline. Head to head, Arsenal. 5-0 earlier this season at the Emirates. And they played to over the two and a half goal total in four of five. So is this a case where Arsenal's resigned to their fate and they come out flat once again? I guess a desperate side. Or is this Arsenal team going to finish strong? That's kind of how I'm feeling on this one. It really isn't in the character of the way they played this season, just to kind of wave that white flag and lay down for an opponent. And for me... They're the vast, vastly better side heading into this game. I'm not sure if there's anything in the market that will reflect that sentiment. Yeah, I mean, as much as they've um, you know wobbled lately, I mean, they're, they're still the best away side in the division on results and third best on expected goals difference. And as I think you said, Forrest are the worst home side on expected goals difference. I guess we just don't know how motivated Arsenal are going to be when Nottingham Forest will obviously be very motivated. They, they probably need the points more. I mean, obviously, Arsenal have to try and win the game and, and keep the pressure on Manchester City. But I think we all we, we all know it's over and, and they will as well. I think one interesting thing here, one possible advantage for Arsenal, they're really good on set pieces. They've scored the joint fourth most goals from set pieces this season and the most away from home. And Forrest have conceded the second most. So um, if nothing else, you, you'd sort of fancy Arsenal on that basis that they could potentially score from a corner or a free kick or something. But we have to give Forrest credit. I mean, they've scored 12 goals in their last five games. Their attack's finally woken up after being pretty stodgy for, for most of the season. I mean, whether they've left it too late remains to be seen. We've said before on here, I mean, I had a bet on them to go down. Looking like they might actually uh, stay up. But um, this is obviously a big, bigger game for them than it is for Arsenal in reality. But I still think Arsenal will have too much for them. Um Arsenal and both teams to score, plus 227. I like the look of that for a... For a sort of uh, longer odds or both teams to score and over 2.5 goals at plus 109. So I think Forrest can score, but I do think Arsenal will have too much. Yeah. Well, I'm not so sure that Forrest will score in this game. I just, I see there being a massive gulf, gulf between these teams. I know they played City competitive at home. I know they've been good, but I, I can see an Arsenal back bounce back 3-0. That, that was embarrassing at home against Brighton. I can, I can see them finishing strong. Um, the, the one I like is over the goal total of three. And maybe that suggests that your both teams to score might come through. But if there's a weakness in both these sides over recent weeks, it's it's defensively <laughs> for, for both. So I, you know, I, I don't love betting on when the total is up to three, but I think that these are two teams that you can justify it. Again, no clean sheet for Forrest in 15, over the total of two, two and a half and five of five, both teams to score in five of five, Arsenal over two and a half in eight of nine, both teams to score in eight of 10. So over three at minus 104 would be my play here. It seems like Arsenal might be a, a little bit short. Arsenal to win this game at minus 167. I mean, it's not a number that I would touch, but I'm, I'm watching that as well because pe- I'm guessing the markets will reflect that people will bet on the the, the kind of 
more desperate na- nature of a team in a relegation hunt rather than Arsenal trying to finish the season strong. So something that I'll keep an eye on in the coming days to see if that number shifts out. If it comes off one, uh, minus one in terms of the handicap in favor of Arsenal, I'm making a play. If it goes to like minus 0.75, um, I, I'm making a play on Arsenal uh, to cover that handicap. I think they can go on and potentially win this game by a couple goals, but I'm more confident on the overall goal total in this game. So is that predictable to you that that there'd be forest backers? I mean, they'd be good at home and the, the context of what this game means for them. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, as we said, I mean, there's more on it for them than there is for Arsenal in reality. And I think actually looking at the recent results, your your goals play probably makes sense. I mean, you go back through Forest's last five games, it's 2-2-4-3-2-1-3-1-3-2. And again, Arsenal's away, all right, 4-1 at City. It's probably it's going to be 4-1 Forest, but 2-2 at West Ham, 2-2 at Liverpool, 2-2 at Sporting um, in the Europa League, 3-0 at Fulham. So a lot of goals in the in the games for both of these. Like you, I'm always a bit wary when it's over three, but the recent form of the teams, yeah, it could well be, um, you know, four goals or more here. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, let's hope that there's goals. Could be very entertaining. Forrest have played some entertaining football over recent weeks and deserve a lot of credit for trying to play the best version of themselves. They're never going to be a lockdown team. They're never going to be a good defensive team, but they managed to score enough goals to give them a real chance of survival here. Uh, the final game of our feature five of the weekend, it's Manchester City and Chelsea. City, of course, the caveat, are, are playing their Champions League semifinal second leg against Real Madrid on Wednesday after this is recorded. But City did beat Everton last weekend. 3-0 was the final. And heading into that Champions League fixture, they haven't lost a game in 22. That's just wild. Uh, the math, the mathematics are, are simple here. They go in and win this game on the weekend. The title is theirs. And they're 16-1-1 at home over the course of the Premier League season. 59 goals scored, 17 against. 17 is the fourth fewest goals conceded, but 59, it's the best in terms of goals scored by 11 over anyone else. And they're 29.4 expected goal differential. That's the best by some margin in the Premier League, too. Chelsea coming off a 2-2 draw, home draw against Nottingham Forest. I mean, this team has so many injuries, like James, Chilwell, Kukurela, Kulabai, uh, add Angolo Conte into the equation. Kovacic is banged up. Like, the question is who they'll play. And even at the back, Mendy came in for Kepa last weekend. It doesn't matter. This team cannot wait for the summer months to hit the reset button entirely and give some of these young players a chance and maybe come up with an identity and some roles for some of these players in this team. And oh yeah, maybe another proper manager as well would help immensely. They've been the first to concede in four of five. Head-to-head City have played Chelsea twice this season, beat them 4-0 in the FA Cup and 1-0 in the league. Both these games came within a one-week span at the right at the beginning of January. Um, City have won their last five against Chelsea, having conceded a goal against Chelsea in their last five. They played to under two and a half and five of six, and City have been the first to score in five of five. Um, I've been saying it for weeks. It's very difficult to back Chelsea here, but we do have that Champions League fixture on Wednesday. Th- does that come into your mindset at all? Because, I mean, Pep Guardiola over the first leg, I don't think he made a change. 
So we, <laughs> presumably he'll have fresh players and inspired players to go on and win the league this weekend. It's just a big week all around for Manchester City. Minus 366 for a City win, a draw plus 529 and plus 970 for a Chelsea win. The goal total or the totals for goals is set at three, the over at minus 116, the under at plus 102. Yeah, obviously, as we record this, it, it's hard to know how City will approach this because they're playing in the Champions League tonight. That could go to extra time and penalties, could be heading to the final, could suffer a demoralising defeat. Obviously, as well, if Nottingham Forest were to beat Arsenal, the game we just spoke about, then Manchester City uh, will be champions even before this game kicks off. So they might have played for two hours tonight. They might have already won the league. How do they then approach this game? I mean, you'd still obviously expect them to win, such as their quality and the and the problems Chelsea have. But as we sit here now, there's a lot of sort of extra context to go into this game that, that we don't know about. What we can say, I mean, Chelsea have no wins from eight games against the other big six clubs this season. They're bottom of the mini league of the established sort of big clubs. And I think as well, I mean, not that I'd go anywhere near it, but it's crazy that they're plus 970 for any match. Chelsea, like... Won the Champions League a couple of years ago, one of the big clubs in England, and they're plus 970 for any game. I, I had a quick look on um, footballdata.co.uk, the site that's run by Joseph Bookdahl, a guy who's written for Pinnacle. Um, there were 25 other games this season um, where an away side was at least plus 970. And obviously that was closing price rather than you know a few days out like this is. But for the sake of argument, 25 games of 970 or higher – one away win, three draws, 21 defeats. Um, Brentford's win at Manchester City was the, the one instance of a team with that sort of price getting a win. But otherwise, it's it's almost inevitably a defeat. I think as well as you said there, I mean, City have won the last five meetings to nil since losing the Champions League final. It's like uh, Pep possibly, you know, messed up his tactics for the Champions League final and has been on a revenge mission ever since. It seems <laughs> to have worked. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Chelsea to not score is minus 105. Um, City win to nil at plus 113. Um, but as I sort of hinted at there, I, I won't be making any plays till I've seen what happens here and at Nottingham Forest on Saturday because this could be a dead rubber and, and you don't know what City will have gone through tonight. So um, yeah, they're, yeah. they're the sort of plays I'm thinking at the moment. See, I, I'm thinking that Chelsea can maybe snap that streak of not scoring against Manchester City, especially if fatigue... Or potential fatigue or this yeah. emotional roller coaster comes into the equation. We've documented it all season long. Uh, like I said, just the fourth best team in terms of expected, uh, the fourth best teams in terms of goals conceded at home. Like sides like Manchester United have conceded less than them at home. I mean, they're the best in the, in the, in the Premier League, but 17 goals conceded at home. Um, they can concede. And Chelsea, this little bit of an injury, I don't even, can't even call it an injury crisis with Chelsea because they have so many players <laughs> available in the squad that, you know, Thiago Silva is in there, Barashil is still in there. Like, they're, they're, they're still okay. But what it's forced Frank Lampard to do is play his actual attacking players. So we see back-to-back weeks, three goals against Bournemouth, two goals against Nottingham Forest. Yes, they're not the best defensive teams, but Sterling's on the field with Felix, and they're playing some of their young players. He's being forced to. And I think that both teams to score at plus 103, you can make the case. Even if City are running away with it, potentially they score a goal. These, these clinching games for Manchester City over recent years haven't come easy either. Think Aston Villa. Like, go... 
go back in recent years, these games that City go on and clinch it, they're oftentimes not straightforward. So perhaps Chelsea can cause them some issues at the back if fatigue comes into play. I'm thinking about that. Both teams to score at plus 103. Perhaps Chelsea scores early, then City responds with three goals of their own. I do think that there's goals in this game, um, despite the current trend between these teams. I was even thinking City over their goal total at two and a half at plus 109. Because Chelsea are that bad defensively right now. So I'm kind of of two minds there. I I know that the trend doesn't uh, suggest I should be playing both teams to score here. But just looking at who's available and and, and, and what Frank Lampard may be forced to do. And his team didn't play since last weekend either. So and and what the Champions League might mean for City. That might be a good play at a plus number. Both teams to score. I don't know. Have I convinced you to come over to the dark side, Andrew? Or... or are you thinking that maybe both teams to score no as a play? Because I actually looked at that and considered that as a play as well. Yeah, possibly. I mean, you mentioned that City have conceded 17 at home. Chelsea have only scored 17 away in <laughs> 17, 17 games. So they're sort of a goal a game team. But sort of a, something else you mentioned, though, I mean, you know, you look at some of City's recent results, 2-1 against Leeds, Leeds scoring in the 85th minute, 4-1 Arsenal, Arsenal 86th minute, 3-1 Leicester, Leicester 75th minute. It's like... City could easily go two or three goals up and then just ease off and, and Chelsea yeah. get one, particularly with the quality they've had. They have. I'm certainly not ruling that out. I just, you know, if we assume that City have to win this game, um, then I think they will do so quite comfortably. But it's not beyond them to to let in a late sort of consolation goal as we've seen from the from the games I just said there. I mean, it, it could look a lot like the Arsenal three one from a couple of weeks back. Where I was on Arsenal win to nil, and then Chelsea scored a late goal, and it was three one. It was completely against the run of play. It, it, it could play out something something like that. So I'll stick to with the full play, both both teams to score, and 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 hope that we see an attacking outfit from uh, from Frank Lampard. They still have Fernandez. They still have Gallagher. They still have Havertz. Like they have players. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what Chelsea side shows up. Just give me a goal. That's all I ask this weekend. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to rapid fire for the final three, three uh, five games. That is of the weekend, Fulham and Crystal Palace. Fulham won this fixture, the reverse fixture, I should say, three nil back in December, and both are coming off two nil wins last week. Uh, is there a play to be made, Fulham Palace? It's a difficult one to call. I mean, as you say, they did win three nil last time, but there were two red cards for Crystal Palace in that one. And uh, Fulham and the overs has been the sort of mantra of this podcast, but, but Crystal Palace are one of the sort of teams for under 2.5. The data suggests that Palace are, are basically the value pick of the weekend, Palace to win. Um, they're priced at plus 205, should maybe be more like 150. But they do have no away wins um, against teams above them in the table this season, which Fulham are. And it's one of those where it's just sort of two teams with nothing to play for. So so how do you call it? Very mid-table clash. I mean, 10th versus 12th um, at the start of the weekend. But I am interested, maybe um, Palace on the handicap, possibly, plus 0.25 at minus 123. Um, or even um, at uh, zero at plus 118, I think it is when I looked earlier. Yeah, plus 118 for Palace zero on the handicap. Um, but yeah, w- one of those end of season games that's very difficult to call. But as much as Palace don't play goal heavy games, I think this could probably be one just with the Fulham factor. Yeah, it's Palace on the handicap or nothing for me. 
some concern about, I believe it's the hamstring of Wilfred Zaha, whether he'll be available. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Schlupp is dealing with a little bit of injury. I know that Aze and other players, Olise played really well, but before I make a Palace play, I'd like to see if those two are fit enough to go. If they are, I'd be tempted. Same thing, I'd go up to the to the draw no bet for Palace in this game. Uh, but other, other otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm just going to stay away if the number doesn't look right. Uh, Bournemouth and Manchester United. United away from home has been an issue, but that's because they haven't beat anyone in the top five away from home on the season. Teams that are lower down in the table, it's been a different story because they still have the fifth most away points on the season. So Bournemouth, it looks like they're just cruising to the finish line here to, to end the season. And United need a win here. Does Manchester United's away form, you know, or lack thereof, does that come into the equation and making a decision on this game? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, as you say, that the problems, United's problems away from home have been against the, the top half sides. I mean, if you look at their record against the bottom half sides, I mean, they lost at West Ham recently. But other than that, they've been pretty good, conceded very few goals. Um, that's their only defeat against the bottom half side, that West Ham game. I mean, the thing that stands out to me when you look at them, I mean, only one of their last eight games has paid out on over 2.5 goals. And the same is true for, for their away games against bottom half sides. Obviously, there's a bit of underlap there. So um, with that in mind, I mean, I think, did I see under three goals at plus 100? That, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, United sort of struggling to create chances. The only factor, I suppose, is if Bournemouth are just, you know, they are sort of cruising to the finish line. They've earned the right to do that with their much better than most people expected season. Um, I do think United will win. I'm sort of, I'm sort of looking at Bournemouth plus 1.25 on the handicap at minus 119. They did hold Newcastle to a draw. They beat Liverpool. United have been poor on the road in, in a lot of games, as we've said. So I might be tempted by that. But, I, but I'm thinking unders on the goals just because that's been the way of it for United for, for quite a while now. Yeah, that that's the play. under th- This Manchester United team where the last half of the season has been under all like almost every week. Um, away from home, it's been a bit of a different story. I think we've documented that. But under three at even money, uh, th- that's fine by me. The only thing that makes me a little bit nervous is United maybe potentially winning this game by more. They look mm-hmm. good after having a full week off last week, you know, leading into their game against Wolves. I shared the stat last week. They hadn't had, um, they've had midweek fixtures every single match week dating back to September. That was their first time they had a, a full week off. They have a full week off again this week as well. So I think that skews in United's favor to come out with a win, um, whether it's by a goal or more. I'm not sure. Um, but the total, I'm, I'm fine with that under three at even money. Uh, let's move things forward. West Ham and Leeds, a game full of intrigue here. It could have been one of our feature five as well because West Ham's playing in their Europa Conference League semifinal on Thursday. So we're not sure what state they'll be coming out of that game. And they're taking on a Leeds United team that's trying to stay up, stay in the division. And Leeds, no wins in the seven, no clean sheets in 13. But they do look a little bit better under Sam Allardyce coming off a hard fought. Could have gone either way. 2-2 draw, maybe perhaps a little bit fortunate, but a 2-2 draw nonetheless against Newcastle. Um, What do you make of this? Is it difficult considering there's that game on Thursday to project? Um, I kind of like how they're playing under Sam Allardyce, to be honest with you. Might be enough to save them. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'll, I won't be going near this game until we see what happens on Thursday night. I mean, they're, they're very strong favourites to, to get through. They're minus 279 to reach the final, but it was only 2-1 in the first leg. I mean, it could go to extra time and stuff like that. I think they're likely to rotate as well. You saw last weekend, um, they lost at Brentford. Guys like Downs, Lanzini, Corne, Ings, they all started when they, they haven't generally. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was an understrength West Ham team on Sunday um, and obviously Leeds, as we say, have got, you know, much more to play for. Or I mean, technically West Ham aren't officially safe, but I think, you know, be a crazy uh, occurrence if they went down. But the thing with West Ham, I mean, they've scored in their last nine home games and you've got Leeds as the top team in the division for games where both teams scored and there was over 2.5 goals. It's also been the outcome in the last three meetings of these teams for the last five meetings of these teams. So the obvious play looks to be both teams to score on over 2.5 at plus 115. I think pretty much any West Ham team turns up, they'll probably get chances against Leeds because of their defending, as much as Allardyce has perhaps improved them a touch. But Leeds have to go for it as well. So, um, yeah, I think, I don't know who's going to win, but I, I'm pretty confident in, in that outcome. I'm going to call it an Andrew Beasley special because that's what it is. Over two and a half in both teams to score at plus 115. I circled that. I'm also fine with playing the total of over 2.75 at plus 105, a plus number. Mm -hmm. Leeds United, I mean, they played over two and a half in nine of 10. Both teams to score has come through in 10 of 10. West Ham have played over two and a half in seven of nine. Both teams to score in this fixture, six of eight. And Leeds hasn't had a clean sheet against West Ham in their last eight. And they played to a 2-2. So I, I like either one of those. Take your pick. Um, if you're if you're listening to this podcast uh, and the lines have since shifted, uh, just play the one with, with better odds where, where you think you're getting a little bit of an edge there. That's what I'd say. But goals, both teams to score. I'm fine with both in this game. My favorite bets of the week, to be honest with you. And, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Brighton and Southampton. Brighton pushing full steam ahead. Again, play Thursday against Newcastle, but putting themselves in a right position to go on and qualify for European football of some kind next season. And Southampton are done and dusted. Is this just going to be one-way traffic here? That that game on Thursday, um, it comes into the equation. I know they're both teams on the South Coast. I'm not sure if, if that plays into the equation whatsoever, but Southampton just, they look finished weeks ago and, the comments made by James Ward-Prowse didn't really shine a positive light on Southampton, did it, about the standards dropping from the get-go this season. I mean, just, it's been a nightmare campaign. So what about this week? Yeah, hard to know, really. I mean, um, as you say, Southampton, I think, deservedly relegated. I don't think anyone can argue with that. I mean, you can say with an eye on this fixture, they have been better away from home than at home. They're sort of 16th best team in the in the league away, where they're rock bottom at home. Um, we don't know what will happen with Brighton at Newcastle, but that journey and that match will obviously take a toll. That's going to be an intense game. So I don't think it's beyond Southampton to to cause some damage here. I think Brighton will win, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Southampton scored here. Um, both teams to score is minus 109. Again, both teams to score over 2.5 plus 119. You'd have to think that Brighton can score a few as well. Uh, both teams have scored in the last six meetings and there's been over 2.5 goals in four of them. So... Yeah, I mean, hard. another game very hard to call because Southampton might feel released from the pressure. We've seen it in the past. Terrible teams go down and then once their relegations confirm, they actually pick up form because 
they sort of play with a, with relaxed air to their to their play and stuff like that. But um, no, I think Brighton probably win, but uh, probably some goals in it. Yeah, I like both teams to score minus one hundred nine. Quick, quick and dirty. Just the spread in this game, Brighton minus two. Has Brighton ever been a favorite on the handicap minus two in your recollection? Like it's just, it's just a massive number. So they have to win this game plus eleven eleven plus one thousand one hundred and eleven. Like what? Uh, this is Brighton. I just it's it's bizarre world, and there are some little. Little injuries popping up in this Brighton side as well. Webster's out the back. They're a little little bit limit, limited there. And Cisco came out. He might be good to go Thursday. Just something to keep an eye on, especially as these fixtures continue to build up. Like this has been a really busy schedule for, for Brighton over recent weeks. So I, I think just a quick and easy play, both teams to score kind of works for me as well. Uh, the final game of the weekend, Newcastle against Leicester City. Lester almost looked resigned to going down. Like they've looked lifeless at times. They love to concede. They've conceded and haven't kept a clean sheet in their last 17 games. And they're going to be taking on a Newcastle side. Win, lose, or draw on Thursday against Brighton. They still need to come up with a result in a game like this, especially playing at home at St. James's Park. Yeah, I think when you look at Leicester's season, I mean, it's pretty disgraceful, really. I mean, they, they have had some injuries and things like that, but, you know, they're estimated as having the seventh highest wage bill in the, in the division, the best outside the, or the highest outside the, the, wow. the established big clubs, you know, so th- there's no way they should be in this position. What you can say for them, I mean, apart from the Liverpool game, if you ignore that, their underlying performances have improved under Dean Smith, but they're just so fragile defensively. Even when they're not giving up many chances, they still look like they're going to concede. Um, I think Everson's possibly a better goalkeeper than Danny Ward, but I mean, is he good enough and things like that? You know, they're giving up these chances and stuff like that. Um, I think we mentioned it earlier. I mean, obviously, Newcastle could potentially be outside the top four when by the time this game starts. So there'll be a bit of pressure on them for that. And um, obviously, there's a lot of pressure on Leicester with, with their position. But all of that said, it, it's hard to look past a, a Newcastle win. Um, Newcastle to win and over 2.5 goals is minus 106. That's the play that caught my eye. Um, but who knows? I mean, we'll see what happens Thursday with the Brighton game um, and kind of go from there. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to look past a Newcastle win. It's just at minus 240. You, you need to add something onto that to, to give it a bit of juice. Another Andrew Beasley special. I'm just going to call it the Beasley bet. It's the both teams have scored over two and a half. Still Leicester City, like they have enough talent to score goals. Like it's just, we, we keep on saying it defensively, just an absolute nightmare. And by the way, Newcastle have been anything but assured def- defensively over recent weeks. No clean sheet in their last eight heading into the Brighton match for Newcastle. They played to over two and a half and seven of eight. And both teams to score in four of five. Leicester City, just over two and a half and five of six. Both teams to score in five of six. So that that all leads me down that road over both teams to score at a plus number at plus one Oh nine. So um, two teams where the game will really mean something for, and that game is going to be played on Monday. So some Monday night football, and we know how teams love to score goals on Mondays now in the premier league. It's a new trend. And I think we can all back it and get behind it. Uh, anything else to add, Andrew, before we say goodbye for this week? No, I think that's it. I mean, it's, been saying throughout really a lot of tough games to call so I think be careful with the bets this weekend so much different priorities for different teams and things like that that it's very difficult to call but I think we I think we've picked out some good selections but uh yeah a difficult weekend this one 
I believe that's all for Andrew on EPL Insights this season. Thank you for all your hard work. I believe we'll have a Champions League betting blueprint upcoming as well. But first, vacation for the great Andrew Beasley this week. Go on and put your feet up. Enjoy the dog. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the time away, Andrew. And I'm sure you'll be keeping at least one eye on the football as well. Oh, two eyes on the football. Don't worry about that. On behalf of Andrew and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. Odds were correct at the time of recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly as we head into the final games, the final fixtures of this 2022-2023 Premier League season. Good luck, everyone.